Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome to episode 87. We are doing this on a Wednesday. Usually these are Friday afternoons, but I made a special... You know, I made special arrangements for our guest today. Her name is Becky Sampson. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for making the arrangements for me to well, be here. Absolutely. You come all the way from... Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> so apparently I, I said Hawaii and I was mistaken. Mm. I, I was corrected. Well, that's okay. You know, when I did my radio or my TV show in Hawaii, I said Honolulu. And they said, no, it's not Honolulu. It's Honolulu. Honolulu, actually. Honolulu. <laughs> Very so. nice. Well, we're glad that you're on here. Oh, Glad thank you here. so much for having and, me. And and uh, Becky joins us to talk about conflict resolution. Mm. So I'm excited to get to that. Um, however, before we, we get rock and rolling here, episode 87, part one, is brought to us by our sponsor, Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is ready to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you're ready to reach out. When you're ready to reach out, give them a call at 801-800-8142, or you can go to their website, that's stepsrc.com. You can live chat with one of our intake coordinators. Uh, again, they are standing by. I actually work for Steps. I love Steps. They've always been really good to me. I feel like our clients get super good quality, super good care. Mm. You were there yesterday. You I know. did conflict res- What did you think? Well, I think, you know what? This is the thing. I love, and I kind of told you that when I did the workshop yesterday, I love being around people that are in 12-step work because- mm. To me, it's it's the golden people who are doing the work, right? The honesty and the integrity of, of really trying to intentionally change their lives. So we speak the same language. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes. And that was yeah. apparent yesterday. Yes. So we, we usually start <laughs> off the show just to kind of get, I mean, I know that you've done a lot of podcasts and some TV shows and stuff. And so I know you're very familiar and very comfortable, mm-hmm. but for me, Becky, let's do some warm-ups, okay? We call those new and good. Right? New and good, okay. And good. The idea is to practice a little positive psychology, something you know new and something positive going on in your life. It's real easy to complain about the chaos in the world, but mm. let's spread a little positivity. So why don't you go ahead and start us off? What's new and good in your life? What is new and good in my life? Oh, gosh. I just came off of an amazing women's uh, leadership. I kind of told you a little bit about that yesterday, but we went off the grid. Like, I don't know how many off, how many times people actually do that, but I had no phone, no internet, and way up in the mountains in this beautiful cabin. Was there running water? There was running water. It okay. was actually really nice. So it was like <laughs> cellular reception and internet off the grid. Yes. What, yes. I, what I pictured, Becky, was like you going to outhouses and like, Carrying, you know, bringing water from the well. Wouldn't you like this? Wouldn't you like to see <laughs> Becky? Well, I grew up at a summer camp for kids, so that's not like too off. So you totally could hack that. You oh, could totally, do that. totally could do that. Well, we could, actually one of the rules is we were not allowed to wear makeup. So the very first day was like, okay, no makeup. And it was funny because see, like the first day everyone shows up and all these 71 women are like gorgeous, beautiful, amazing, powerful leaders. And then we go to no makeup and it's like, okay, we're just on equal ground, right? We don't know more faces, no more, you know, covering up who we really are. And I always say to people, you can't hide your beauty. So that, if you're talking about something that's exciting in my life right now, that, that was amazing for me to, that's the second time I've done that. Cause I went to that same ranch a month ago as well. Cool. Um, but that was with men and women. This is just a women's leadership. So it's exciting. I like the symbolism behind not wearing any makeup, Yeah, you know, just getting raw, getting real, getting, you know, one thing that I, I love about this podcast is once Sean Denovan hits record and go, that's it. Like if we're live, <laughs> we don't edit. I mean, it's just real and raw and if I say things wrong or I say Zion's instead of Zion, Sean just corrects me, you know, and we just rock and roll. Just keep it super authentic. But it's imperfectly perfect. That's, I mean, when I do my radio shows and TV as well, I don't do any editing. I mean, this is just a conversation between you and me and the rest of the people who are watching and, and listening. So whatever comes out, comes out. Beautiful. <laughs> yes, totally agree. Sean Denovan, what is new and good? What's going on in your life? Uh, I'm trying to fix something behind the scenes. So we'll come back to that. Okay. It'll be new and good once I get it fixed. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your new and good. Sounds sounds fantastic. So my new and good uh, today is I just 
a few days ago on the third of this mm. month, I hit eight years clean. Mm, congratulations. My, thank you. Thank you. Which my sweet That's wife big. put out a, a post and. So this Friday, Dr. Sellers is going to be here in studio for, for episode 88. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, apparently he wants to interview me. He's got some questions lined up. So mm. that should be fun. I'm actually kind of nervous. Like I'm not nervous when I host, but I'm always nervous when I'm in the other really? side of the seat. Yeah, Why a little is that? Bit. I don't know. I get in my head sometimes. You ever do that? <laughs> Worried about like what you're going to say and how you're going to answer Well, things? yeah, because substance abuse is so controversial. Yeah. Like there's so many different angles and modalities and like I'm of the opinion all paths lead to recovery I support right I don't care mm. if you're a you know um 12 step person I don't I, it doesn't yeah however you find your way right mm -hmm. but but yeah sometimes I'm anyways well one of the things I really appreciated about you yesterday one of the comments that you said is that that you create that safe space for people, you know, and I, I often think too, if I get nervous about an interview or something, it's usually because I'm making it about myself and like, what are they going to say? And am I going to say things right? But if I'm in service, I mean, who gets nervous being in service, right? That that's taking the attention away from me and just being in a place of service, especially when I, when I do speaking gigs and stuff is I know if I'm in my head for me personally, I'm like, okay, I'm making it about me and it needs to be about them because there are people. And it's really interesting too, when I interview people because they, they're like, Oh, it's not a big deal. This happened in my life. And I'm like, well, it's not a big deal to you, but to somebody out there that doesn't have that same experience that looks at you and go, wow, eight years sober. Like I want that. And so they look to that and they're like, okay, they're just like hanging on to everything that you say because they're like, I want to find that. I want that for me. And they find that the inspiration in you. So Becky Sampson, you might be a powerful coach. <laughs> I appreciate that insight and that feedback because you're, you're right. You know, I just got to share my journey and exactly. rock and roll with and, it. And you don't get nervous when you do that, right? Absolutely. I feel like we're making this about me and that's no, in no. two days from now. Let's make this about you. So, so <laughs> I understand that you're a coach. Yes, Give us kind of your rundown. What's your credentials? What do you do? What are you passionate about? Well, it really kind of started, um, well, I mean, just, just briefly, I grew up at a summer camp for kids and I realized that, that a lot of my experience growing up was empowerment with kids. You know, my dad started this summer camp in Southern Utah. Kids came from all over the world. So we had opportunities. I was just having a conversation this morning with my mom about every one of us in our family are leaders. Well, why are we leaders is because we were thrown into the den when we were kids, like here, just, <laughs> you know, vans break down, kids are throwing up and, you know, all kinds of stuff that we had to, to figure it out. So we became leaders in that way. But, um, I've struggled with a food addiction, which I briefly told you about yesterday that I didn't realize until I was much older. Yeah. So I, I, I love that you went there. You took me right into where I was going to go next, yeah. right? So, so this is a podcast about recovery, yes, specifically recovery from addiction. Mm -hmm. However, that addiction doesn't have to be defined as substance abuse. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you're in recovery from a different form of addiction, exactly, and that is, or it is a substance, which is sugar and flour. Most most people don't even think that that is, but sugar is six times more addictive than cocaine. Say that again. Sugar is six times more addictive than cocaine. Yeah. And sugar is I bet, isn't I bet a everything. lot of people didn't know that. No, they don't. Right. And that why do we think, I mean, you know, a lot of people go, well, I, I have a little bit and then I can't stop and I can't. And the thought of going a meal without sugar for many people is terrifying. Well, it was for me too. Yeah. And so, I mean, that kind of tells me, are you addicted? You know what I mean? And just because it's an addiction doesn't mean that we're bad. It's, I kind of take the diction word out of it and put in, it's a weakness. I struggle with that. When I have a little bit, I want a lot. You know what I mean? I want to overeat. Some people over, undereat. Some people don't eat. I mean, there's a lot of things, but it's a very widely misunderstood addiction. So that's what kind of got me into coaching is because many years ago, um, 2009, a girlfriend of mine invited me down to an addiction recovery program down in Vegas. Now, did you know that's what it was going to be before no, you went? No, I didn't. She kind of <laughs> okey-doked you? She, she kind of lassoed you into this one or what? Well, she is one of my dearest friends. She's actually 83 years old. And I always kind of joke around with this. She's four foot 11. I'm five, seven. We're walking down the mall in, a, you know, early in the morning because it was winter time, February of 2009. And she looked up at me and she goes, Becky, I've had four cookies and I need a detox. And I was like, 
you've got to be kidding me. Like four cookies, that's nothing. You know, I mean, because I could pound a couple bags of cookies and then I might feel a little sick. Sure. You know, yeah. but four cookies. And she goes, well, we just we need to go to this conference. I need a detox and just come support me. I was 130 pounds overweight at that time. And so was she. And so she invited me to go and I thought she was kidding. But the very next day we go walking again and she's like, no, 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 Becky, we got to leave like in an hour. And I'm like, uh, no, I got to work. She's like, no, 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 you're the boss. Like call it off. So I went home and at the time I walked in and I said to my husband, I said, I don't know. She just, she wants me to go down to like five hours away to Vegas. And we went down there and, um, and the minute I walked in the room, I, you know, I wasn't willing and people always say, well, I'm not willing well, I, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. Sure. You didn't know what you didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. All I knew is I was registering and, you know, we were late. And so someone was talking at the front of the room and, <clears throat> and she, she was telling my story and I was like, the speaker. yeah, the speaker. And I was like, what the heck is this? So you it know? was like a big convention. Yeah. It was like 300 people or so. Wow. Yeah. And I looked around the room and I'm like, who are these crazy people that are standing up and saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. Hi, so-and-so. You know what I mean? And you're just like, okay, who are these weird people? You're like, this is something out of a movie. Yeah. But is... today that's our reality, right? It today, is. today we are those weird people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And now, you know, 14 years later, I mean, it's, well, it's 14 and a half years later, I've, you know, released 130 pounds and maintained that weight. Um, you know, there's a period of time that I was out of recovery because we all, I mean, for me personally, I had to go and go, ah, I'm okay. I've, you know, I've, I'm, I can do it on my own. And God's like, Hey, you know, you know, see on the rebound, you know, I fired God and got fat is what I tell people. The, <laughs> the, the weight started coming back on because I was like, no, 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 God, I got it. And he's like, well, good luck with that one. And we'll see you on the rebound. I think that that's pretty, pretty common though, amongst yeah. a lot of addictions, right? Because even with substance abuse people, I feel like. For me, I'm sitting here eight years. I've got yeah. eight years. And oftentimes I hear this from normie friends. That's great. You've been able to do that. You've been able to overcome that. When are you going to move on? Yeah. When are you going to stop talking about yeah. this stuff? When are you going to just be normal? Here's the thing though. It's like you said, and I feel like a lot of people that start to get a couple years make this mistake. It's a lifestyle. Like yeah. if, if we just all of a sudden, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, let go of it. Mm-hmm. And especially for, for the severity of my addiction, mm -hmm. I might not come back. Fentanyl is killing people everywhere. Right, right. right. And so, yeah, I think that's pretty common. And I appreciate you sharing that. Like it, it's something that you, you're either working towards something and making progress or you're falling behind. You never truly stay the same. Well, the way that I explain it, and my mom thinks I'm a little crass when I say this, but it, it's really, <laughs> really good the way that I say it, is people say, well, Becky, do you have to eat this way the rest of your life? Do you have to keep doing these things for the rest of your life? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have to keep wiping your rear end? Ooh, I like that. So if you want a clean rear end, you got to keep doing the work. Right. Yes, absolutely. Because, Let's hope that they do. Yeah. <laughs> and and I and I only say that because it's really true. If you want to keep the results that you have, you got to keep doing the things that you do. And and for me, you hear this in twelve step work all the time. If I had to think of doing this rest of my life, it really is too much for me. But if I take it one day at a time or one meal at a time, it becomes easy. And then six years later, or I think it's six years now that I'm off sugar and flour. But it, it just one day at a time. That's it. Like, I don't really count my days anymore. I just go, you know what, just for today. Yeah. I'm going to stick to my program. And so I don't vacillate up and down and up and down like I used to. And that is something that most people that struggle with their weight aren't used to. They're used to looking at a destination and they get the destination and they fall back into their, you know, oh, I can eat whatever I want now. Well, as soon as I go on that vacation. As soon as I get my summer, my yes. summer bod, as soon as, right? Like it, you're right. It's totally destination. It, they lose weight for a thing. And then once right. they obtain that thing or they get the weight off for that event, oftentimes, I mean, how many times do you hear that? Right. Yeah. I got a wedding coming up or I got a vacation coming up or I got to get in my summer bod. Healthy weight, healthy lifestyle is not a destination. It is a journey. And because it's not like you can't just stop drinking or stop drugs, you know, those kind of things, you have to eat on a daily basis. So you're constantly surrounded. For me, it was the support. It's the people in my life that I have to stay connected. We talked about that in the conflict resolution yesterday is connection is recovery. Disconnection from that community and from the people and the support is 
where you get yourself in trouble. Like yeah, stay in the boat. That's why I would say to people, stay in the boat. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love it. I yeah. love it. So, well, congratulations on six years off sugar yeah. and oh, flour. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's fantastic. That's amazing. So you've come on today to talk about conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, as a substance abuse counselor, I come on here, I talk about addiction. Uh, you know what? We have guests on that talk about their experiences all the time. I love when somebody who has some education comes on. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you go to school? What did you study? What are you into? And then we're going to roll into conflict resolution and how you got to be this amazing coach and doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I, I started my education back when I was real young and um, I started in business because I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a hundred percent entrepreneur and I call it entrepreneurial bipolar entrepreneurship because, <laughs> you know, you just never know, you know, if you know any entrepreneur, they're always like up, down, you know, what am I going to do today? What, what am I going to create? But then, um, I was serving a mission for the church and while I was on the mission, my father passed away in a car accident the week before my mission ended. So just to clarify, because we have a lot of listeners from out of state and yeah. out of country, you're talking about uh, Latter-day Saints, Latter-day Saints, yeah. uh, a mission that you go on for a couple years, year and a half, part yep. of the faith, part yeah. of the, it's a Christian based, uh, religion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was on my mission. I was just about finished with that mission. Um, find out my dad passed away. They brought me home and I remember sitting there and my mom's like, Oh, but Becky, you know, you're not, I was never really good at school. I I had a reading disability when I was really young. Mm. So I barely even graduated. Technically didn't graduate from high school because I had disability reading stuff and I always felt like I was really stupid. And so business was really hard for me. And she says, I think you really should go into graphic design. So when you say technically didn't graduate, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> so did you get like your GED or did you do packets to finish? No, I, I, I ended up having to take a couple classes into the college, taking us history three times, but that I graduated from high school before the final. And I never took the final at the college. So I technically didn't graduate, but I walked and I got my degree. So you may not like this, but I I actually love this because a lot of our (laughs) listeners maybe fall in that category where they're working towards their GED and they Mm -hmm. think university, I could never go to college. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet Becky Sampson sitting right here and you (laughs) had your struggles as well. Right. You know what? This is the thing about that life. Education comes in a lot of different packages, right? I come from a family that's very educated. My sister at Stanford, she's got a graduate at Stanford, both my brothers scholarships. So I spent most of my life feeling like I was stupid. Like I just was not a very smart person. So when I got into the college realm and, you know, I went and did the easy route, but it's, I had to find something that I was passionate about and business was really hard. So she switched me to graphic design, which was so much fun. I'm like, no, this is not supposed to be fun. Education is not supposed to be fun. (laughs) This doesn't feel right. But I ended up um, dropping kind of out early because I started doing real estate. Well, fast forward 23 years later, I get this opportunity a couple of years ago to go back to school and in Hawaii. And I um, started back in business and then I took one accounting class that I completely botched, which my dad's an accounting professor. He's like turning over in his grave. He's like, what are you talking about? Like debits or credits and credits and debits. And anyway, and at that moment after that, I was getting straight A's, but then I got a C in that class, barely graduated, barely finished that class. I decided, you know what, there was, they offered a class called uh, peace building and a major in peace building. And I had been in trainings and worked in coaching industry for a long time. I'm like, that, that's what kind of a degree is peace building? You know what I mean? Like, but I started, um, into the degree and I loved it. Mediation, peace building, um, HR is my minor. And then also, um, psychology because coaching is psychology. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Addiction recovery is, I've been in addiction recovery for 14 years and been a sponsor and done coaching and things. So it naturally went there. And, um, so I did the mediation classes, loved it. Um, being able to help process people in their mindsets and where they're going. Um, it was a natural fit for where I'm going. And now I'm actually launching a very large online community of peace builders. And so that's what the conflict resolution kind of fits right in there because I realized that everything at the very core of all of our conflict is because we're not at peace and we're not becoming peace builders, we're becoming peace wreckers. Like, I don't know if you were there last night at the very end when I said, you know, better check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
And that's what I teach people to do is like, hey, you might want to pause in the moment of that heated, you know, moment of, of conflict and think about what you're going to say and what you do in your being before you go there. I, I love this because, you know, whether conflict resolution is like at all levels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do you hear of somebody that spends years going to school to get degrees, to get cred- credentials, to do all this stuff, and then they land their dream job working for a certain business or organization or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then they have a problem with their supervisor mm-hmm. or they got a problem with Joe in the cubicle next to him. Mm-hmm. And that either ends up turning into oh, I'm just going to quit and walk away Mm -hmm. or now I hate my job and I'm miserable because I'm letting so-and-so affect me. Mm -hmm. Like it it blows my mind how often that happens. Mm -hmm. Well, and it really, and, and anytime we're looking into our career, right, we, we have a dissonance if we're doing work or we're working with people that we don't gel with. Right. And rather than just saying, you know what, I'm just going to hide and go avoid that conflict. I teach people to look, look at the conflict and the conflict's happening for you, not to you. So what can we learn from that? How can we move? And I've had lots, look, I... I, Conflict is happening for me. (laughs) Yes. Not to me. Not to you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners just went, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying, yeah. And I, I, like, I get it because I've seen the training that you do and it's phenomenal. But yeah, at first, when, when I first heard you say that, I thought hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't like conflict. How is this happening for me? Well, we all don't like conflict. And then the media, what we do is we want to blame somebody else, right? Cause, cause it's their fault, Becky. Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> you're making me feel this way and you're yes, making me, I love when people say you're that. making me drive me into insanity. And, but, but if we can stop for a moment and go, okay, what am I learning? What am I experiencing? You know, if it's happening for me, then there's something I need to learn. And I don't want to keep repeating this conflict over and over and over and over and which we do, which is over and over in relationships or over. It may be something that's a conflict in your family that then shows up in your other relationships. And then you're going, ah, this is just following me over and over until we learn that lesson and then we can move on and become better. That principle applies so much in my line of work. Yeah. When, when I have clients in a residential setting and we get together for a process session and, you know, they're talking about Joe cut in front of me in life, John, you know, John, Susie, whatever the name is, right? Mm-hmm. These are all just, these aren't real clients' right. names, right? But, uh, you know, or so-and-so didn't do the dishes or this person didn't do their chore. Like, and eventually somebody goes, this is all petty. Why do we, why are we arguing about mm-hmm. this? And it's like, this is how you're, if you're showing up this way, in this milieu, in this community, mm-hmm. this is how you're showing up at work. Mm-hmm. This is how you're showing up in your family relationships. Mm-hmm. This is you. Yeah. You are the common denominator. Right. Right. And that's really hard for us to, to, to look at, right. To be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, Hey, this, this outside world is just a reflection of what's going on in the inside. As my dad used to always say, stay on your own five acres, Becky. And then I, <laughs> I kind of took that to the next level, which is stay on your own five acres and tend to your own weeds because we all have stuff that we need to work on because the minute we ignore our weeds, the weeds just grow exponentially. And then we don't ever want anything to do with that, you know? So it's, it's changing our attention to going, okay, all right, this is happening for me. And what's the gift and what's the lesson in this? How can I learn and move through it instead of run away from it? It almost reminds me of that saying, um, if there is no enemy within, the enemy outside cannot hurt me. Exactly. Something along those lines, right? Like if you're solid and you're good and you're grounded and, and you're centered, you know, people can't make you feel anything. No. People can't get that reaction out of you. People can't get that, right? But it, but you you have to be those things. Like you have to, you have to do the internal work and mm-hmm. understand yourself before. Otherwise it's real easy just to point the finger. And it can be fascinating. You know, I want people to know that it's a journey, you know, getting to the point where, you know, whatever you're experiencing or feeling or, or seeing, or it, look at it. I call it detached observation. It, it's just is, you know, if you're getting upset or you're feeling a certain way, then okay, just sit with that and go, okay, where does that coming from? And, and just do a little bit of the work. And then you go, Oh, okay. I see. And even if you don't have all the answers right then, it'll come. 
It'll come. Right. The first eventually. step is being aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can't change what you're not aware of. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This has been fantastic. And we've kind of beaten around the bush about conflict, conflict resolution in episode 87, part two. We're going to dive all the way in. Mm. We're, we're going to stop dipping a toe. Mm-hmm. We're going to dive right in. Becky's got some great concepts. So join us right after this little 30 second break from our sponsors, Steps Recovery Centers. We'll see you in a few seconds. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. What's happening? Welcome back to episode 87, part two. We got Becky Sampson here. She's joining us to talk about conflict resolution. Before that, though, we, we got to give us a couple shout outs to the amazing sponsors that we have for this podcast. Episode 87, part two is brought to us by Hilton Garden Inn. It is always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you or a loved one want to get away, especially to Southern Utah, it's a beautiful place here. We're talking St. George, Utah, baby. Go ahead mm-hmm. and go to Google, type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. We love those guys. Thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast. We also have, so this announcement I'm super excited for, right? This has been a passion project I've been working on for, man, probably I would say at least a year. You're giving labor to your passion. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I'm excited (laughs) to announce episode 87 part two is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Mm. Rise Up Supplements or Rise Up Supps for short is all about life elevated, life enhanced. The first product that we're coming out with is going to be like an alternative to an anxiety or depression Mm. medication. Mm. It is, we've called it mindful mood. Mm. And it's basically a premium non-psychoactive mushroom blend. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to help decrease anxiety, enhance mood. Some of the ingredients we got in there is, is uh, some lion's mane. Oh man, I can't pronounce the other ones. (laughs) So I'm unprepared for this. It's really good. It really helps decrease anxiety, enhance mood. Um, I always, I refer to it as kind of the weekend formula Mm. because I'm working on another formula. that's like focus, attention, drive, right? Yes, we need Um, that. But, but this one's going to be kind of like your weekend or, or for people that are just high strung type A personalities Mm -hmm. that need something to kind of mellow them out. Mm -hmm. So Pre-sale is going to start July 10th. Go to this Facebook page. We do recover with Jared Miller on Facebook. Hit shop now. You'll be able to see it and you can save 20% off through our pre-sale. So the mindful mood sells for 35 mm-hmm. bucks regularly. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get it for basically 28.99, just awesome. under 29 bucks. So yeah, super excited for that. That's, I, I can tell that that's a lot of, this is the thing is, is that any entrepreneur that's got out there, you got to have a passion, like you said, a passion to help and serve other people. And now that you're kind of here and it's like, yes, I, you know, you can make an impact with it. The thing that's been super fun about this is like, I can't pronounce a couple of these, right? (laughs) Just because here's the thing though, is, is like, I'm not a WAP genius when it comes to herbs and supplements, Mm. but I have a team, the manufacturing team. I went to them with an idea, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Hey, I work in addiction recovery. I see people over prescribing like crazy, you know, they're on three and four different SSRIs. Like oftentimes when I speak to clients, I ask them, have you tried a natural form? Right. And this has been a production. 90% of the time. uh Oh, I I thought you were just chiming in over there, Sean. (laughs) 90% 90% of the time, the, the answer is, oh, go ahead. Remember I had that problem? Yeah. It's still a problem. So just keep going. You're doing great. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Ignore whatever you're seeing or hearing. Just keep going. I, I love you, You didn't you, buddy. see anything. You didn't hear anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> carry on. 
so anyways, that's, that's, you know, yeah. Well, congratulations, yeah. honestly, because I think, I think any effort to be out there and especially go back to the natural, I'm so into natural stuff that it's, and then we're being prescribed so many non, uh, what do you call them? artificial stuff that's really messing with people. And, well, uh, and the bad thing is, is with all those SSRIs, like, mm-hmm. like this is an organic right. premium mushroom blend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have side effects, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you take a bunch of, if I'm feeling depressed and I start taking, you know, an antidepressant SSRI, now all of a sudden I have mood yep. swings and weight mm-hmm. gain. And one of the side effects is suicidal ideation possibly. Mm. It's like, try this first. Right. Right. Listen, I love medication. Mm -hmm. Like I I fully believe some people absolutely Mm -hmm. need medication, Mm -hmm. but try, try something herbal, something natural first. Yeah. So it's been cool to to engineer this with the team of people that, that I got working on it and they're fantastic. They're WAP geniuses. You know, we've tried different formulas and different versions. I've tested everybody at steps. They've been my Guinea pigs. Like, Hey, try this one. What do you think? (laughs) Write down how you're feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun. It's been exciting. Let's get back to you though. We got, we got, this is about you. Let's talk about Conflict resolution. It's your passion. It's what you're coaching. It's what you're, yeah. Sounds like you're working with a lot of businesses and organizations. Where do you want to jump in on conflict resolution? What do you think our listeners need to know the most? You know, um, I really want people to know that conflict is inevitable. We're all going to have conflict. Um, like we talked about this last section is that, you know, it's happening for you, not to you. How you, handle that conflict is going to show in your results, right? We cannot change other people. We as can much influence. As we would like to. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, you I just know, have to laugh because one of the things that I remember always saying, like when I, you know, in early recovery is if, if they could just change, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have this problem. Right. And well, then that's the outward focus that's pushing, that, that's putting all the blame on if I didn't have these parents and if I didn't have this, this circumstance and if I didn't believe you me, believe you me before I got into recovery, that's where my life was until somebody had the courage to say to me during a training, I was at a ropes course actually, and I was standing up ready to do an, an event and she was processing me and I was giving her every friggin' excuse in the book sure. of why I couldn't do something. And she goes, Becky, shut up. (laughs) And I, and she goes, and by the way, get off the tree. You're not doing this. And I, and she goes, you're not going to talk the rest of the day. I was, I was so livid. You do not tell me to shut up, but that was the best day of my life. And I'll tell you the reason why is because it made me, it, it helped me. It assisted me in processing the stories that I tell over and over and over again. So when it comes to conflict, what the story that you're telling towards conflict, you know, that it's a bad thing. I can't, I've got to avoid it. I've got to, you know, I can't talk about it. It's dangerous or, okay. If you look at it that way, you're never going to be able to work through it. Mm. You're always going to run. And we all know when you ignore a conflict, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. We need to. Now, is there a difference we talked about in the, the, the workshop yesterday? Is there a difference in pausing? Absolutely. We can pause. Right. Taking some time. Yeah. That's so one of the, one of the destructive ways of dealing mm-hmm. with conflict that I learned yesterday from you mm-hmm. was avoidance. Avoidance. And so pausing and avoidance is, is different, mm-hmm. different. Absolutely. Because pausing, I have this poem and I didn't even get a chance to read it to you, but I wrote this poem during my conflict resolution you know, major. And it was in my uh, peace linguistics class and it's the power of the pause. If you just take a second and pause and not allow yourself to react, but just, okay, I can see that you're upset. Like we talked about that. I can see that this is a, a, a difficult conversation for us, or I can see that, that, um, you know, I, I don't feel safe right now, or I need a, I need a moment to kind of back away because mm-hmm. that's, I know for me when I just reacted and I just, ah, I get the boxing gloves out and I'm ready to go after it, which right. I have, like some people wouldn't recognize me back in those days, but I, I really went to bat. Um, and sometimes I still fall into that whole trap, but I've, I've learned through the 12 steps and I've learned through recovery and a lot of other work that I've done to pause and be like, okay, how do I feel? What am I experiencing? How can I take care of myself in this moment? But we went to yesterday and talking about um, the different styles that we have. And there's five main styles of conflict. Um, 
or styles that we have when it comes to conflict. How people deal with conflict. Yes. We've covered one of them, which avoidance. is avoidance. And that's destructive. So that's we have destructive. constructive and destructive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Avoidance just, I mean, that's, I would say probably 80% of the people go into avoidance. Right? Like, and if you never deal with the problem, it's never going to go away. No, it gets worse. It becomes this stinky little pile of, you know what, you know, <laughs> and then it just gets worse and worse. But there's also accommodating. Sometimes people think that, oh, I'm just going to accommodate to keep the peace. That is also a, a destructive thing because it you you become a doormat, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to be liked and you want things to be peaceful. So you just lay over and let people walk all over you, which is not, you know, typically that happens. The accommodator happens with a competitor, right? The competitor's like, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to win. You're going to lose. So before we go competitor, I just want to clarify for my knowledge and the listener's knowledge. So avoidance and accommodation, that's really like passive, right? Yes. If we're thinking about communication mm -hmm. styles and how to handle things, that's very passive, mm -hmm. yeah. which if that happens long enough can turn into passive aggressive. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, and you find sometimes with the competitors, they're passive aggressive too. Like, right. They'll be really aggressive, aggressive, and then they'll try to control the situation and become, become passive. I mean, yeah. So it's. Passive aggressive. Passive aggressive. Yeah. And that it, it's all destructive. You have to look at the result that you're getting. Is it working or is it not working? Mm. And without judgment, because it's really important. People just go, oh, well, I'm so bad because I'm a accommodator. I'm a doormat. It's you are not bad. You're making a choice that's not giving you the result that you want. Right. Speaking of judgment, I'm going to ask you not to judge me in this moment. <laughs> and I'm going to practice some vulnerability. <laughs> I felt a little personally attacked yesterday because I identified with one of these very strongly. Mm. Which one do you think that is? Competitor. Yes. <laughs> I am right. You are wrong. And I called you out on it? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. So you sorry. may have. Somebody so struggles with competitor, right? No, it yeah. is good. I needed to hear that feedback yeah. because, listen, oftentimes we can get wrapped up in. I'm right. You're wrong. Right. And that can be very destructive. That closes people off. That's exactly what I was going to say. It closes. And I'm the same way too. Cause I admitted I was vulnerable. <laughs> I get competitive, right? Like I know everything and you don't. And that was evident even in the training last week. It was like, I do have those moments where it's like, Becky, it's my way or the highway. And I have to back off and go, okay, that's not getting me the result I want. So, and again, it's not a judgment. It's just Okay, we all have moments. We all pop back and forth between all of these different styles. Absolutely. And listen, we talked earlier, you got to be aware of it. Yeah. Step number two is you got to accept or admit that you do it. Yeah. And then number three, you got to try something different. And don't beat yourself up. So now I'm aware of it. Yeah. I've accepted that I'm a competitor. <laughs> So I want to try something different. So what's a healthy, a healthy way of dealing with conflict? Well, we kind of went into the fourth one, which is the compromising, right? We think of compromising is a healthy, constructive way of dealing with conflict. It's a better way. Okay. It's a better way. So that um, looks like I'm right and you can be right too. Right. Is that that's, that's accurate? Kind of, so the example that I use is an orange, right? Like if we both want an orange, what's the compromising? Uh, half know, and half. Yeah. Half and half. You get half and I get half. But what if we, we find out that, you know, I want the juice and you want the rind. I'm so, making cookies with the rind. Right. You make, you make the cookies cause I don't eat cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And, um, and you know, I, I want the juice. And so that if we understand and we take a little bit more of a diver, a digger, I'm sorry, a, a deeper dive into what our intentions are and what our values are and what, what we want, our interests, then we can find a more collaborative and collaborative. And, and some people, I had somebody come bring up to me the conversation last night. Well, Becky, what if you, you're working with somebody in the conflict that's just not workable? Mm. Of, okay. So you're not going to get to collaboration, mm -hmm. but how do you get to a place of peace? Who are you showing up in the conflict, which then can and can influence the other person in a way that would turn, which is kind of another thing that we move into. Which you might have to default to compromise. Right. Listen, when, as a substance abuse counselor, when I'm working with a client mm -hmm. and I can't get collaboration. Yes. Right. They are just unwilling for whatever reason. Oftentimes, especially after yesterday, I, now I recognize it's because I'm being the competitor. It's mm -hmm. my way or the highway, right? This is the expectation is what you got to do. I'm learning that's not the best approach, mm -hmm. but when you get somebody that's unwilling to work with you, yeah, you, sometimes you fall back into that compromise. Mm -hmm. Let me meet you halfway. Right. How about, okay, you might not be able to do all these things, but how about two or three of them? But the biggest thing is to be aware, 
right? To be aware of when you're in that competitive. And we talked about, we do a whole section in the worksheet workshop about being open and closed. Mm -hmm. So when we're in competitor mode, it closes other people because they go into competitive mode, you know what I mean? Or, or they go into accommodation, right? And then, then, then they're like, well, I don't care. Just do whatever. And it's like, wait a minute now uh, we're not getting anywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. The light bulb that went off for me was when somebody talked about the competitor being the authority figure. Mm. Like I want to, I want to be the, somebody that shows you that helps you on your path. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe a tour guide, mm -hmm. I don't want to be an authority figure. Mm -hmm. And so I realized yesterday, if I don't want to be an authority figure, I got to move into more of collaboration, mm -hmm. right. Or compromise mm -hmm. because that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. And you had mentioned when we talked about that, you, you talked about creating the safe space, right? When you're meeting with somebody and you're saying, look, there's nothing that you can say or do that's going to change. I, you can't surprise me. Right. So I've been there, done it. You know, right. I've heard it all. And I say the same thing too. When I work with people, I'm like, they, they try to like shock me and I'm like, and I still love you. I mean, I I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to support and love you through the process. Um, because that's what I, I learned in my own addiction is, is that, um, I need people around me that don't judge me and don't cause me to close down. I need people that support me and love me through that. Right. Right. That you can feel open and, and authentic with and just be your true self through yeah. anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just to recap, we got avoiding. Yes accommodating. Mm -hmm. Then some of the other ones on the other end of the spectrum is competitor. Mm -hmm. And then we have in the middle compromise. Mm -hmm. The goal is to be collaboration. Yeah. That's the, that is the conflict resolution style that you really want to strive to be is collaboration. Right. And that's a win-win. We hear about that often. So the, and compromising the, the sad thing is, is that sometimes you walk away from that feeling like we've missed out. We, we, you know, you're always thinking of what you've lost in that. So collaborating is, is like, we both win. We both walk around, walk away feeling full and we feel satisfied with what we're doing together and we're supporting each other. There's actually a book called the art of negotiation. Yes. That's a great book. Great book. And what I've come to realize through taking your courses, you can't have the perspective that if somebody, if you compromise or collaborate, mm -hmm. they're walking away with something, right. right? Because we're dealing with human beings here. Right. We're not, we're, and that brings us into another part of, of your seminar mm -hmm. workshop, right? The I, thou, I, it. Right. How are you viewing people? Yeah. Talk to me about that. What is, what does all that mean? If I'm a listener and I'm like, what, 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 huh? Yeah. Well, it, that, that's a concept that it's, again, it's, it's kind of this easy equation that I, that I talk about is your being, how you see the world is going to affect your actions and how you respond and your behaviors towards somebody, which then is going to equal your results. So if I see that one of the, can I call you out? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I asked is I said, so if we see someone as an it, what do we see them as? And I love that you said an idiot. They're an idiot. Yeah, they're an idiot. <laughs> There's some people that are going to be watching this and it's okay. I'll just be authentically. Yeah. But listen, originally I would say 90% of people, if they're being honest, when they have a conflict with somebody, their initial knee jerk reaction is. You dummy, you idiot. You, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody cuts you off on your, while you're driving, you know, that's the first thing that runs through your mind is you idiot. Right. And, and then that puts them as an object. I probably should have tried to give more of a therapeutic feedback. Like, I wonder what that person's going through. In this no, because <laughs> that's not real. Like I, I, like I talked about yesterday and I did a, a workshop two weeks ago and I asked a lady, I said, so, you know, is it easier to be open or closed? And she's like, Oh no, it's totally a lot easier to be open. And I was like, well, until you have a conflict, right? Because what happens when you have a conflict immediately, people go to close, close and nothing gets done. Well, because there's something physiologically that happens in your body, right? Yeah. Like you go through a fight, flight or freeze right. deal. Like you do mm -hmm. your, your heart rate increases, you start to perspirate, mm -hmm. you know, like there is some act, there are some physical responses within your body. Yeah. When I think about conflicts that I have, mm -hmm. typically I start getting short of breath, mm -hmm. right? Cause I'm not breathing. I'm not belly breathing, mm -hmm. healthy, practicing healthy. So, so yeah, I think that if you're being honest, you can admit to the you're an idiot and you can admit to it's easier to be closed and reserved and keep people at a distance. Right. Yeah. But that's not, that's helpful. not constructive. Right. So, but it's normal. 
it's normal. So if you're <laughs> listening to this and that's yeah. your response, guess what? Welcome to the club. Welcome you're to the totally club. normal. Yeah. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Cause all of us go through it. You know, I, I do the same thing when, when something, when I get hit with something that is really uncomfortable, it is an exercise of mine that I have to stop. And, and for me, I was telling you guys a story about my first sponsor and she used to say, I'd call her in a panic, like all oh, this stuff happened. And she said, Becky, what do you need to do to take care of yourself right now? And that's what I say. What do I need to take? Do I need to remove myself? Do I need to take a breath? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to take a time out? What do I need to do so that I can center and balance myself so that I can think straight? Because immediately our brains kind of just shut down when we're in a real combative, you know, and I, I'm like other people too. I, I have PTSD from, from stuff that's happened and trauma that I have to recognize that that's where I'm at. And I need to take care of myself in a healthy mental state so that I don't, I don't project that anger and that frustration. And I'm not perfect at it. I, I, you know, I love that about 12 step. We get to make amends. You know, I'm not going to be perfect. I don't expect perfection from myself anymore. I just know that I will continue to do the work and I will continue to come from the best I can from my heart to help. And that's what I say to people in conflict is, is that if we can get to the point, if you're going to pick up any sword in a fight, when it comes to conflict, please, please, please learn to pick up the sword of love because that's the only real true way you're going to protect yourself. Because how do you fight with love? Yeah. I mean, really, how do you fight with somebody that you just, you, you can only give love back to them, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And it takes, I, one thing that was powerful that you talked about yesterday, um, when you, when you did the, um, presentation in my work at steps was, how you relate or how you think of that person. Yes. Right. Like that's where the I thou and the, the I it mm -hmm. comes into play. If you're approaching a situation with somebody and you're thinking of them as a person, as a right. human being, if you're empathetic towards them, you're loving, you're respecting you, you're looking for that. I matter, you matter type of communication. Exactly. Then it's a lot easier to move into a healthy form of conflict resolution. Yeah. So if you're in it's that sort of love, exactly. If you're in conflict with somebody right now, I, I encourage you to write, um, you know, put yourself in their shoes, right? What, are they scared? Are they afraid? Are they, um, because we all put up walls and we all go into that defensive mode because they're human. I mean, at the, at the end of the night, we all put our head down and we all wake up the same way. We, we all go to the bathroom the same way. Mm -hmm. We all, you know, and, and even though they may be creating a lot of conflict or a lot of, um, defense mechanisms, I've said to some people that I've had conflict with is I can see beyond that. I can see beyond your walls. And what you mean by that is you come from a place of understanding why they have taken the position they have taken. Right, exactly. Like what the what the emotion is behind it for them. Is that how I'm Yeah, and I correctly? and I think that I I think that I have a perspective that way because I was so defensive and emotional when I was a kid and I just I know I was putting all of those things up, those walls up because I was so afraid of anybody getting close to me. Mm. So I think I, I can relate to that kind of behavior. And so I'm a lot more patient with it. And I, I still do it now. You know, if people push me, man, it's like, what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit my little rear end. I'm not moving nowhere if you're going to push me. So that's the thing is I try my very best to stay open as much as I can, because that then invites them to be open, whether they stay, they're open or not. That's, I can't force them. You can't control that. That's I can't control it. House. Yeah. yeah. But I can still send them love darts, you know, for sure. Now let's talk about the other side of that spectrum. The mm -hmm. I it. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the I it. Well, the I it is that that person is an object. They they you know you're just looking. You're actually judging them on their behaviors instead of who they are. Mm. Because their behaviors or is maybe just a what reflection. they can do for you, yes. or selfish intentions. Right? right, right, or what they are doing to you. Right, because I mean, then you're like, oh, you're hurting me. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe that is their intention. That is maybe their intention. And then that's when you put the boundaries up, right? But you can still see them as a human being. But if you start off a conflict with the approach of viewing them as the problem right. or things that are not humanistic, then yeah, of course, you're, it's going to turn destructive real quick because 
you're not seeing them for their, for their self. You're seeing them for whatever. Right. And I guarantee you, how are they going to see you back? Mm. They're going to see you back the same way that you see them. As an object. So if you want to invite them to see you in, in an empathetic way, which we, again, we can't control that, then we need to change the way that we see them. And I always say you change the way that you see someone and that person begins to change, at least in your heart and in your mind and your view. In your perspective. We could do this all day, Becky. We got about a minute and a half left here. (laughs) One thing that I want to say on conflict resolution that's been huge for me and an eye opener for me Mm -hmm. is oftentimes when I have conflict with somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that saying, seek to understand before being understood. Exactly. Like I know for me, if I'm upset about something, I just need to let you know that I'm upset about it. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that I expect for it to change. It doesn't necessarily like in what I found, especially working with clients and process groups and individual settings is if you give them an opportunity to complain, yeah, to share their views and their frustrations and their thoughts, and mm-hmm. typically that takes care of the problem in and mm-hmm. of itself. Mm-hmm. They just want to be heard. And that's something that you said right off the bat yesterday is that it's so we all want to be heard. We want and validated. We want to be val- We want our pain to be validated. Yes. So if you can say, I can see that this is really affecting you. I can see that you're upset. I can see that you're frustrated. Sometimes that's all that they need to hear. Yeah. And then we just stay in a really powerful place of of love and just keep our arms open and our hearts open. Doesn't mean that we're doormats with boundaries. You're amazing. Give us a plug. (laughs) If people want to hire you and have you come speak, where do they get a hold of you at? Oh, you well, you know, I'm in Hawaii, but you can go to my website at beckysampson.com and there's a contact information there. And you can also find me on Facebook. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.